when we just get our regional customers back and our locals, we'll be at 10 to 15% of our turnover. When we get Melbourne back with the COVID safe um, story in place, we'll probably be at 50%. So it's imperative the government looks after us because we can't run our business at 50%. It's not, a, it's not viable for us. On Dirty Linen for these few days, we are travelling around regional Victoria, which has been allowed to partially reopen. I cannot help but feel pretty excited about this development. It's a slow step, but it feels like a big step. And everybody in Melbourne is watching with interest. We are willing the regions to do well so that we can reopen as well. And I'm so happy to be talking today to Anne-Marie Banting from the Dalesford Hotel. Anne-Marie, how are you going? Oh, Danny, uh, look, it's been a really tough road to get here. But uh, yes, light at the end of the tunnel. So we're feeling pretty confident right now. We won't be opening straight away because it doesn't fit for our business. Tell me why. The Dalesford Hotel is a big old Federation two-storey hotel, the Grand Dame on the corner. And to open for 10 people in the main bar and 10 people in the dining room doesn't work for us financially. And when they say outside dining, right now it's probably 14 degrees outside and cloudy. Uh, and as soon as it hits about four o'clock, it drops dramatically. So, and it is also unpredictable. So one day we could, one day we can't, that sort of thing. That doesn't work for a business like ours. So we're going to wait till we can have 20 in the main bar and 20 in the dining room and then we can turn over those covers as we did in the first uh, in the first release after lockdown and we had um, oh, a maximum of 95 covers and that gets us sort of halfway there normally on a Saturday night at the Dalesford we'll do 180 to 200 mains so hmm and it's a big girl to heat you know, every, all those little costs don't add up to have 10 in each room. Sure. And as the weather warms up, as we head more into summer, do you feel like outdoor dining will become more of a viable proposition? Well, right now, Rosie and I are working on uh, renovating our beer garden. We have a beer garden now that sits, COVID sits, uh, about 40. But we also have a back car park that's on a bit of a slope. So we're looking to do some earth movement um, and create a second beer garden that would probably seat um, 70 COVID safe. So that will increase our beer garden to about 120 covers. We also have a veranda. And with the COVID safe sitting plan up there, we've got 40 outside. And then out on the front concourse in front of um, the hotel we can covert safely sit about 20. So on a beautiful sunny day terrific but we don't really count those days until really late November December and it's still variable and again at night time the temperature drops dramatically. So I guess those big outdoor areas at night time won't come into play till January, February, March and there's been some glorious evenings 
in in that time of the year. So then we'll be humming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's as I hear you rattle off these numbers, I can also sense a lot of conversations that have led to you being able to just list them off in the way that you have like there's obviously so many calculations so much planning so many looking at variables can you talk about like so you you run the pub with your partner Rosie can you talk about what she brings to the business what you bring and just talk about how you both um talked your way through this situation yeah, definitely, Danny. Um, Rosie Hebel is my business partner. Rosie's also my life partner. Rosie came into the business when my other business partner, Graham Bamford, uh, retired. Rosie took up his share. So we're 50% owners each of the Dalesford Hotel. Rosie is a Sydney girl and she worked for Solitel Group, which is one of the two largest uh, pub groups in Sydney. And Rosie worked for them for 29 and a half years and left as operations manager. So Rosie brings a wealth of knowledge uh, to our hotel. Myself, my backgrounds are familiar. I've had four businesses. My last business was in Perth and it was Must Wine Bar. I was a partner in that. Um, And I came up to this region uh, in 2009 and worked for Alla Wolf Tasker uh, at the Lake House for four years. And then Graham and I bought the leasehold. So we don't own the, the whole, the whole um, hotel ground and, and fixtures and fittings. We own the business. So Rosie and I have to look at the figures from last year to map out what happens in this year. But now on, on, on that, we've got the COVID safe and COVID restrictions to then apply. So tracking um, our business, when we first went into lockdown on 23rd March, the business stopped, we went into hibernation. When JobKeeper came on board, we did um, really fantastic hamburgers uh, through our drive-through bottle store plus the bottle store. But to be honest, that turned over $5,000 in the four days that we had it open. So, you know, there's not a lot of money in hamburgers. And we were using, you know, Wagyu beef that we ground up from the Sher family. Um, We were making our own bread rolls because we've got a wonderful baker in, in our hotel, Chef Jen. So we were trying to do the right thing, push ahead, keep the morale up. We were using the JobKeeper money to keep our kids employed and connected, but in the long run, it didn't actually make us any money. So then we were allowed to open again, and we did. And first of all, we were tracking at about 40% to 45% when we had Melbourne. Then Melbourne was locked down, and we lost the Melbourne trade, and we drop back to maybe 10% of our normal turnover. We only are a village of about 4,000 people and there's four hotels in our Dalesford and Hepburn region and there's plenty of other little wine bar with Wine Speak who are doing terrific things um, and lots of restaurants where you can pop in and have a plate and a glass of wine. So there's plenty of competition for those 4,000 people to spend their money in. So that 
became very hard. And then we went into the second lockdown. And with that, we've closed the, the old girl completely, put her into hibernation, turned everything off except a main call room because the old girl leaks money in terms of uh, electricity and and overheads. We're currently just about to go to mediation with our uh, landlords because they are still trying to get uh, rent. They did give us and graciously gave us two months, but then they expect us to pay 70% of our rent and our rent is very high and we can't pay that when it's shut but cash flow ceases so that's 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 where we are right now but right now we have some um, light coming it's uh, we spoke to Sonia Anthony from Bendigo, from Masons of Bendigo, yesterday on the podcast. And Bendigo is a very different town to Dalesford. I think some people in Melbourne might think, oh, you know, they're, they're both towns a couple of hours away or an hour and a half, whatever it is. Um, but they're very different in the way that they operate as uh, as as businesses and the way that those businesses are, are supported and funded. So Bendigo is, is um, a larger place and it's able, the, the locals are able to support the businesses that are there. Of course, they love tourists as well, but Dalesford is quite different, isn't it? It really does rely on those day trippers and weekenders from Melbourne to keep the businesses running. Definitely, Danny. We're, we're a hospitality town. We're a tourist town. Um, we've, you know, been the spa capital of Australia um, with Alla, with the beautiful two-hatted lake house. Everybody comes to our region because it's an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes for me, quickly, um, from Melbourne. So it's easily accessed from the airport as well by an hour and 15 minutes. So tourism is, drives this town. It employ, It's the biggest employer of this town. So we, as businesses, rely on it. It's not like... Ballarat and Bendigo that are have larger populations and they have suburbs. We are just a tiny little 4,000 packs town. Yeah, it's a great town. And um, last time I was there, I actually stayed at the Dalesford Hotel, but I didn't see you. <laughs> you were um, – it. I'm sorry too. I only stayed there. I only just stayed there, so I used it as accommodation because you've got those rooms upstairs, um, giving onto the big veranda. Yeah, it's just yeah, a it's a it's good a view up good there. Good view, and it's a good town, and it's a good old girl that pub, and it's exciting to think about her coming back to life. Yes, and we're giving her a bit of spit and polish, and and making her um, sing again. The old dame um, when we took over in 2013. Uh, it was her 100-year anniversary, so we gave her a facelift and a party. And we've been loving being the custodians of her because she's got great bones and a great energy. And I'm also talking about our staff. I'm also very grateful and very lucky we have excellent staff who, uh, look, years ago, Margot Grace in Western Australia, I worked for a gorgeous uh, lady and she taught me hospitality. And hospitality is like welcoming, welcoming somebody into your home. And the first thing is you great, greet them, you make them comfortable and you offer them everything you've got to offer and then you thank them for coming. And I've held that and hopefully instilled it into my, my I call them my kids, I'm allowed to now, I'm 57. <laughs> yeah, so hope. 
Dalesford Hotel should be full of hospitality because that's what we're about. I mean, when you have that ethos, it must be so strange to not be able to give that, to not be able to offer that to people and to, to walk through your pub and she's closed. Like, tell me what that feels like. Well, it, it, it freaks me out going down there at the moment and I get anxiety around it, definitely. Um, but, you know, you still we still have to pay bills, we still have to communicate, we still have to, you know, think of our business every day. So we're definitely still connected. But like I keep saying about this light at the end of the tunnel, doing the things, getting ready to open, um, you know, talking with Chef and, and, and doing the beer garden upgrade. And today we polished the veranda floor upstairs. Doing those things is positive. And that's what we've got to find right now, finding all the positives and looking forward to our future. Yeah. What do you imagine will be the future? I, I mean, are you really waiting for Melbourne to be able to come up again? And, and when Melbourne is able to come up again, how, yeah, what does it look like? How do you anticipate your business springing back? Gee, you know, if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have burst into tears, Danny, because I couldn't have oh, answered. Oh, <laughs> answered that very clearly but and uh, I saw Ella uh, two weeks ago we had a chat in her office and she said what is it going to look like and still I couldn't say but I guess I can say now that when we just get our regional customers back and our locals we'll be at 10 to 15 percent of our turnover when we get Melbourne back with the COVID safe um, story in place we'll probably be at 50 percent so it's imperative the government looks after us because we can't run our business at 50%. It's not, a, it's not viable for us. What, what support are you looking for from the government and what support? You've mentioned JobKeeper. Have you had other grants come through? Is that how you're doing the beer garden? That's absolutely correct. We've had a couple of small parcels of money, uh, first lockdown, second lockdown, and now we're looking at uh, uh, the grant for upgrading outside areas and we're going to use that to do our beer garden because right now I have no money in the bank to do upgrades for beer gardens and we need that extra seating in summer so that's definitely going to help us so I thank the government for that but they've got to continually look at how we are all travelling both you know, our Melbourne cousins and the rest of our regions because we're on a precipice. Yes. So what kind of support do you want? Well, uh, I'm very grateful for the grant. I'm very grateful for JobKeeper. I'm not grateful that JobKeeper is going to drop down. That's going to be really hard. And I'm telling you, Rosie and I are on JobKeeper and that's all we're taking. And, it, you know, I've had to put my mortgage for my home on hold um, you know, luckily the Bendigo Bank has worked reasonably well with us and it's lucky that I don't have to borrow more money. Um, I don't want to be in that position because that just puts more stress and strain on us. So, look, we're sitting okay, but again, we need bums on seats and we need those tills ringing. Oh, absolutely. And on those tills, Danny... Rosie is, and this is her forte, is working back a house to put a new till system in. So we're using government money that they gave us to buy a new till system 
um, which will integrate with uh, icons on the tables outside. People will put their mobile phone over the icon and our menu will come up. They can order from that table uh, the food and the beverage and it will be delivered to their table and they will pay on that um, icon and on their phone. So that's really going to help because if you could imagine that big old girl having section waiters in every section trying to take orders and process orders, the staffing would be, oh, it would kill us. Do you... Uh, have misgivings about that, even though it's obviously essential from a financial point of view. Do you have misgivings about that from a hospitality point of view? Look, it's not my preferred way. I'd love to see my customers coming up to the bar as they always have, have an interaction and get what they need and be comfortable. When we've been operating the business in this COVID um scenario, we've had to take orders at the table. So I've had all these lovely pub kids I've had to train them now to be proper section waiters and that was fine because that's my background um, but also you have to have more kids on the floor so there's your staff numbers go up that's why JobKeeper has been very helpful in keeping our wages because I still have to employ other people that have come along a year later not in the year that's designated for JobKeeper um, and in the kitchen as well. So we haven't got all of our wages covered by JobKeeper, probably about half. So I'm still paying wages to other people. Wow. So one of the things that's going to be talked about a lot is staffing and the issues around that because uh, a lot of temporary visa workers have left um, Victoria and indeed left Australia. Are you very reliant on backpackers and other workers coming in from elsewhere? No, I'm not. But lovely um, Tammy Jonas that has um, Jonai Farm, um, Ella, big engine, like Ally would have 120 staff. She needs those visa holders. She needs them to staff up her restaurant because we don't have that level of um, trained employees up here. I mean, I know Ally has always wanted to put um, an Epicurean university up here um, and I'd love to support that too, but, you know, I wouldn't want to be a Mildura uh, fruit orchard waiting for Australian kids to put their hand up to go and pick fruit all day in the hot sun. We need visa holders. We need them for the big engines like lovely guy Grossi down there with, what's he got, four or five um, venues. Restaurants. Yeah, yeah, they need them. And they need those lovely young Italian waiters that might come and stay for two years it's it's the colour and movement of going to Grossi. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it's certainly, um, I know that Alla at the Lake House definitely does rely on them. And if you, we spoke to Alla in episode one of this podcast. So if you want to listen back to that, I mean, goodness me, it's a couple of months since we spoke to Alla at the Lake House. And yeah, it's, they're still... I don't know if they're if they're on the verge of opening, but it's a very tough road for a business like that um, that does rely on international staff and has so many moving parts. So it's um yeah. Well, there's there's so many things to the lake house now with, uh, you know, small luxury hotel, um, one two hatted restaurant, the spa, the wombat cafe, and um, dairy flat farm. 
So there's, there is a lot of moving parts and she would need those um, backpacking, not that, that, sorry, they're not backpacking. These guys are young professionals that are coming through Australia to do a couple of years of staging here and there to gain um, more experience and travel. And um, I did four years down there and I trained lots of them coming through and very much an integral part of, um, of Lake House. We don't have that. We have a, uh, always had a good flow of young, good staff at our hotel. It's always been hard to get the right chef, but uh, I've got a great chef, um, Bradley Jenkins, joining us for the first time. He's itching to get up here. He was at uh, Middle Brighton Baths as senior sous chef. So I'm looking forward to him making his mark on our town. He's a lovely young man. Great. <laughs> oh, well, it's, yeah, it's, um, there's so much to look forward to, but I guess such a tricky road as, as you try to get there. Navigate out of this. Absolutely. But... And goodness, I don't know what it's going to look like. So the four metre rule, Danny, is that's the one that's killing us. That's halving our business. So when we can get released from that four metre rule is when we can get back into really proper turnover and profit. And I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know when that's going to happen either. I mean, it's so we're, it's released outdoors. So outdoors is um, the density is two metres per person and then indoors still four metres. So I suppose, you know, where it can be relaxed, it is being relaxed, um, but it's certainly not making it easy for business. But on the other hand, having a pandemic running rampant through the community doesn't make things easy for business either. So it is certainly a tricky balance to strike. And I, you know, I do stand with Dan. I think that we've done the right thing and we've, we're doing the right thing and it's the right path for Australia. And, you know, we should be very proud uh, at the numbers and how that they're dropping and everybody doing the right thing. So it is a worldwide pandemic. We've got to realise that we've got to do our part. But the government has to be able to shine a light on how we get out of there and how we keep our businesses. Well, I certainly wish you and Rosie all the very best, Anne-Marie, as you navigate your way through these uh, these new stages, these new regulations, and we'll be wishing for many beautiful, still sunny days um, with a full, as it can be, beer garden and veranda and footpath and just, yeah, looking forward to those numbers increasing indoors as well. And I, and I have to say, I have to say that... Uh, your hospo voice that you've been doing for us has been so good, so encouraging, such a great platform to share. All of our, you know, hospo mates have been on there having a whinge or having a cry or supporting each other. It's been marvellous. So we'll stand together and have a nice glass of Pinot Blanc at the Dalesford Hotel with you in, in the sunny days ahead. Um, so thank you so much, Anne-Marie, and I really do look forward to that. And just to clarify, so what Anne-Marie is talking about for anybody who isn't aware is that I moderate a um, Facebook group. It's a um, hospo owners support group for um, Victoria, and um, it's lovely to, um, yeah, be filtering information and, and, and trying to assist in any small way that I can through this crazy time. But, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for saying that, Anne-Marie. It's um, There's just a... 
it's a flood of information. So it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's uh, good to try to filter it. And thank you so much for coming along and having a chat today. It's really great to, to hear where you're, where you're at and um, to hear where you're going. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Danny. Stay safe. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.